0: Christmas is a season that is all about light and that's why we have a candlelight service and uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight the light that shines the brightest in John 8 12 Jesus says that he's the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life so you're probably wondering why Clark's up here Joel has the flu so, um, yeah, so I got called yesterday to talk, and this is actually Joel's message, so uh, bear with me, because I'm probably not going to give Joel's message as good as Joel would have given Joel's message. Um, if I had to sum it up, what, what this message is about, and um, that's what I'll, I'll try to do, um, but if I just had to sum it up with, with a sentence, it's... Um, God uses ordinary people, He uses ordinary circumstances, ordinary stuff to accomplish His extraordinary purposes. And that's what we see in the Christmas story. We see God using, using ordinary people, ordinary things to accomplish extraordinary purposes. A lot of times we think that God, He can't use us because of our own abilities. But God's purposes and plans are always going to be accomplished and it has nothing to do with our abilities but His holiness and His greatness. So we're going to look at a few things tonight, some, some ordinary things, and see the extraordinary out of all that ordinary. The first ordinary thing we see in the Christmas story is an ordinary place. An ordinary place. Um, of all the places on the planet that God could have chose to come down and introduce Himself to the world, He chose Bethlehem. In a manger, in a stable. And we see this prophecy in Micah 5 two, uh, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is, who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So now, now the gospel, the word, it's going to reach every tongue, every tribe, every nation. We know this. We see it in the word. Jesus tells us this, but he chose Bethlehem to start for the Messiah to be born. He chose Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, which was the religious epicenter of the day, close to Jerusalem, but not Jerusalem, not Rome, which um, was the largest empire in the world at the time, uh, but a small place. It's humble beginnings. Um, This is a 700-year-old prophecy that's fulfilled in the book of Micah. So I want to read something from my phone. I just thought this was a cool illustration. This wasn't in Joel's notes. Don't tell him I'm going rogue. But uh, I found this, and I read it in Sunday school this past Sunday. I'm going to change the city to Knoxville so it makes more sense. But just picture this. Picture this when we're thinking of prophecy, okay? So imagine that in Knoxville, Tennessee, there were ancient scrolls that are uncovered, which were written a few hundred years ago, okay? Some of them were written before the discovery of America by Columbus, and all were written before the American Revolution, the scrolls predict that someone in our generation will be born who is of the direct lineage of George Washington. This person will be a descendant from a long line of important founders of America, all of whom are known to be from for, from Virginia, excuse me. The scrolls further reveal that the person would be born in Knox County, Tennessee, and I'll say we'll say the town of Powell, because that's where I live. My address says that. Miraculously, his mother would be a virgin, and at the time of his birth, dignitaries from other countries would mysteriously know about him and would come to worship and present him with precious gifts, believing he was a special envoy from God. In addition, in this imaginary prophecy, it would also reveal that the result of this child being born, local ruling tyrants would make an attempt to murder him. This would result in the deaths of many other innocent children whose mothers would weep over their loss. To protect this special child from the tyrants, his father would take him to another country, later bringing him back, and then this future child would grow up to lead a religious revolution. And that's what we see with Jesus when we look at Old Testament prophecies. I read that and thought how crazy that was. But if we look at the Old Testament, we see all of those things predicted About Christ, the first thing is an ordinary place. The second thing is an ordinary fact. Scripture doesn't really leave open for debate the reality of the event. It simply states that it's a a detailed historical fact. Uh, Matthew, he puts it this way in his gospel, in Matthew chapter one, in verse eighteen, it says, "Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way." There's there's nothing after that says, "This is what I heard." Uh, this is what I think it might be. It just says the birth of Jesus took place in this way. Number three, an ordinary couple. Continue on in that same verse. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. So this isn't quite uh, married, but it's it's a little bit more than engaged. So they're betrothed. They're they're going to be married, and um, not something uncommon in the day. Mary, she's a teenage girl. Joseph, um, he he's a carpenter, works with his hands, and and they're going to be married. Um, and and what we see is something that's not really special on the surface, but what we see throughout Scripture in this story here and using ordinary people is that God chooses people. He chooses people that don't really have anything extraordinary on the surface most of the time. We see fishermen. We see tax collectors. We see Paul who persecuted the church. And we see David who his father did not even consider to bring in from watching the sheep who's chosen ultimately by God after Samuel chose all of his brothers first. We see Moses pulled out of a basket from the river. He had a stuttering problem. James 4, 6, it quotes, oh, quotes the Old Testament. It says, God opposes the proud but he shows favor to the humble. And Jesus, God in flesh, he exemplifies this. He comes and he sets an example. He lives it out. The Bible says that he came to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is Philippians 2, 5-8. through 8. Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Number four, an ordinary problem. You might say, it's not that ordinary. we got a virgin that's pregnant. It's not really that ordinary of a problem, right? But on the surface, the people around, it looks like, An ordinary problem Um, the end of verse 18 and into verse 19 it says before they came together she was found to be with child from the holy spirit and her husband joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly so a a pregnancy out of wedlock at that time it's something scandalous something embarrassing Um, there's got to be a ton of gossip and rumors going around. Um, so, so again, at surface level, this seems like something unfortunate, but it's not something that's just completely uncommon. It's something that, that happens, something that happens. Everyone has junk in their life. Everyone has stuff that we don't want people to know about. You have thoughts that you think that you don't want others to know about. You have places where you're extremely weak. What's awesome about our God is that he takes our weakness and he uses it for his glory because of his grace. Second Corinthians 12 9, he says, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Look a lot of times we think that that we're weak, that we've got problems, that God can't use us, but God's not trying to fulfill our plans, what our plans look like. No, he's fulfilling his plans. And he can use you through struggles to take you to a place of obedience that you didn't know ever could exist. He's done it in my life. I could share my testimony. See, we think that we need to be good enough sometimes. I have a friend that when I was young, I didn't really understand it. He'd say, well, I don't want to get baptized yet. I'm thinking this is probably late in high school, maybe early college, because I've got other things that I want to do first. I've got things that I want to do, and I don't think I'm ready to make that kind of commitment. At least he understood that following Jesus took some commitment. He did get that. But Romans 5.8, we see that God demonstrates his love for us. He demonstrates his love for us that he died for us while we were still sinners. He came to us while we were still in our sin. He didn't ask for us to do something better or something on our own first so that he would love us enough. So these four things, these four things I've given you, these ordinary things, we see it all play out and lead to an extraordinary purpose. And that extraordinary purpose is God's heart of love demonstrated by reaching through the noise of a broken world, wrapping himself in flesh and coming to rescue us. So as I continue to read on, starting in verse 20, They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So all of these ordinary events, God uses to make something extraordinary. And there's a lot of extraordinary events in the Christmas story. Uh, We see angels announce to to shepherds, right, that, that, hey, there's a baby born over here. Angels appear in the sky, and, and I know your babies are great, but I'm not sure if an angel appeared to a bunch of farmers telling them to come to the hospital and see your baby. We, we have a virgin birth. I don't know that we've seen that since. Something very extraordinary. We have a star in the sky that men from other countries come to see and worship and bow down to a baby. All those things are amazing and are extraordinary. But the most extraordinary thing in all of that the most amazing thing in all of that is that God, the one in the Old Testament that you couldn't even look at, couldn't even look at, a priest, if they were not cleansed and they went to the Holy of Holies, they would drop dead. That God came and dwelt among us. He wrapped himself in flesh and he came and dwelt among us. I think that's the most extraordinary thing in all of that. That's the hardest thing to kind of comprehend, to wrap my mind mind around, that a God that's outside of space and time stepped into space and time in the form of a baby. Joel mentioned on Sunday 2 Corinthians 5.17. I I mentioned it the Sunday before, that if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. So if we're a new creation, then that means we must have a new purpose. And so this Christmas season, um, I, I was reminded... Of what that purpose is, the only place you could be reminded of it at Oscars at Hall's Deli and Cuban Cafe on his little verse that he that he puts up. When I was there, um, meeting Austin for our regular breakfast this past Friday, and that's because he put what follows that Second Corinthians five seventeen. It was on the on the board that day. I said, "Man, Oscar, I really love that verse. I'm glad you you shared that today." So I want to continue reading that. In verse 18, it says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It goes on to say, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So it's a light coming into the world, the one who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf. And if we believe that, if we've placed our faith in that, if we follow that, if we've been made new creations in him, then guess what? And God wants to use you. That's what's so awesome. He wants to use us, sinful humanity, to take that, me- that message of reconciliation to a lost and to a dying world. This light came in the form of a baby, and now we're to share that light, to take that light to the world. We were created with an eternity in mind, um, Jesus even told us that we'd do greater things than what he did. And, and this never made a lot of sense to me. I didn't get this. I heard this when I was a kid as a, as a young believer, um, that we, we'd do greater things. And I just thought about Jesus walking on water and turning water to wine and, and healing the sick, uh, making people that couldn't walk, walk. I'm like, there's no way. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I remember asking that question to Sunday school teachers and to other people. And then we see in in the book of Acts, you read it, and you see 3,000 men at Pentecost saved. And and my problem was, I, I was looking at temporary results, but God has called to use us in his eternal plans. We were created for an eternity, and so was everyone else. And he's called us to shine his light, the light that we think of here at Christmas, Jesus coming as a baby. He's called for us to shine that light to the world. Ephesians five eight says, "At one time you were in the darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." And then in Matthew five fourteen sixteen it says, "You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." So. We're called to let this light shine by sharing the love of Christ with others. How do we do this? By loving others and by spreading truth, by spreading the truth of his his word. Not just being nice people, not telling everyone that they've got everything right, but by loving them, by being truthful with them, by sharing with them the message of reconciliation, how we can be reconciled with a God who loves us and who died for us while we were still in our sin. And the truth is that most of the world has rejected this message. And we see that in John 3.20 where it says that this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people lived in the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. But no matter what the world says, no matter what the popular opinion is, we're still called to shine his light. So tonight, you all got some lights? We got lights? Hopefully we can get all the lights lit up. But, but when we're, while we're doing that... Band's going to come forward. They're going to sing a song. And when we're lighting these up, two things to remember just two things, real quick. One is that Jesus has come to us and he is the light. And number two is that if we have seen that light, then we are called to take that light to the world around us. God uses the ordinary, he uses the ordinary to accomplish extraordinary things. And his purposes and his plans are extraordinary. And even at this church 2,000 years later, here on this hill, God wants to accomplish extraordinary things. Um, Love all you guys. And have a Merry Christmas.
1: inside. So- i DOWN!
2: wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. One of my things that I like to tell people at special occasions like this is to find somebody that's special to you and say, I love you. (laughs) We don't say I love you enough, so that's my challenge to you. Find somebody maybe more than one and say I love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We come to celebrate him tonight, O oh, holy night and silent night. We thank you for the fact that he chooses ordinary people like each one of us to be the light of the world. Lord, Fill us with your love, your grace, your mercy. I pray special blessings on every family, I pray special travel mercies on everyone. I pray especially for those that may have experienced a loss this year. I pray for comfort for them, it's a special time. I pray, Lord, that you'll just Help us to be your love and your light in the world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming.